Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into a Sunday Funday edition of the Sox on Tap podcast. It's Tony Marchese alongside NWI Steve. We're here on a glorious Sunday afternoon where we were able to watch the White Sox play some baseball. Steve, I'm going to crack them. How are you doing, my friend? Hey, yo, Anthony. I am hashtag back from my excursion out on the West Coast. Um, you know, it was nice to sit back watch some baseball today, actually be able to enjoy a baseball game on television, you know, from your favorite team that you like. And right now I'm just, I've, I've, I've got a burrito on my mind. So once we wrap this up here, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go here. Nice. I will, we'll, we'll try and uh, get through this show here so you can get to your burrito. Uh, before we do that, if you're listening to this on the twitter.com, Try and go over to our YouTube, youtube.com slash Sportsnet. Join us in the comments here. We're going to talk some White Sox baseball with yous on this fine Sunday afternoon where, as Steve and I have both mentioned, we actually got to see our favorite team play baseball. Steve, I think that's an excellent topic to start this show off with. There has been a lack of White Sox baseball for what it feels like this spring training in the early going. I am... Uh, I'm very disappointed in the amount of White Sox baseball I've actually been able to watch. How about you? I mean, obviously, it uh, grinds my gears a little bit. Um, My travels naturally, you know, would have made it a little problematic for me this past week. But the very fact that we are not allowed to watch every single game on a network that a certain someone who will remain nameless happens to own 40% of is really fascinating because we really need those replays of Missouri Valley basketball games that like six people watch on a day in and day out basis. We we can't send a camera crew to fucking Arizona to televise these games, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just keep replaying these same fucking Missouri Valley basketball games that nobody fucking watches. It's cool. It's fine. It's very disappointing, Steve. It does not set the tone in my opinion, for for a good baseball season when we're watching, you know, volleyball highlights or whatever else NBC Sports Chicago decides to play instead of live televised White Sox games. I'm sort of jealous, Steve. I'm sort of jealous at the fact Marquee Network has played, I believe, every single Cubs spring training game. There are teams that are out there where it seems like everything they do is broadcast and it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth as a White Sox fan who would enjoy every single one of these spring training games. I know that, uh, Steve, as you like to say, uh, you need to set the tone early in spring training. So uh, it's kind of hard to see whether or not the boys are setting the tone when you can't watch. It's pretty bad. Uh, everyone knows I'm a big set the tone kind of guy and not allowing 
your customers to actually be able to consume the product is in fact not how you hashtag set the tone. Certainly a choice, certainly a choice. That said, the White Sox did add four webcasts. I believe the first one uh, was yesterday. Uh, the spring training how to watch all the games over at ontapsportsnet.com has been updated. Our guy Johnny Nye updated that story with the uh, the most recent of news of how you can catch the White Sox in action this spring. Uh, so be sure to go over to ontapsportsnet.com and check that out. Steve, we've got some White Sox news today. Uh, to get to, and then we'll talk a little bit about our observations so far this spring training. But um, the the first hot topic that we need to get to here, Steve, is that Mike Levenger, the investigation has concluded. Um, there will be no disciplinary action for Mike Levenger, the White Sox starting pitching free agent acquisition this offseason. Um, and we've got some statements from the MLB. I'll read that one out here real quick. Uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, issued this the following statement. Uh, the Office of the Commissioner of Baseball has completed its investigation into the allegations against Chicago White Sox pitcher Mike Clevenger. Comprehensive investigation included interviews of more than 15 individuals in addition to Mr. Clevenger and the complainant, as well as a review of available documents, such as thousands of electronic communication records. The Office of the Commissioner has closed the investigation and barred the receipt of any new information or evidence. The Office of the Commissioner will not be imposing discipline on Mr. Clevenger in connection with these allegations. As part of the path forward, Clevenger has voluntarily agreed to submit to evaluations by the joint treatment boards under the collective bargained policies and will comply with any of the board's recommendations. MLB will continue to support services available to Mr. Clevenger, his family, and other individuals involved within the investigation. Uh, that came out earlier today, uh, as well as a statement from Mike Clevenger himself. Um, and that statement reads as follows. I am pleased Major League Baseball has concluded its investigation. I had nothing to hide and fully cooperated with LB. The situation has been stressful for my family, and I thank them for their strength and support. I asked everyone not to rush to judgment until LB's investigation was concluded, and I appreciate everyone who had faith in me, including the White Sox organization and my teammates. I am looking forward to the 2023 season and helping the White Sox win a championship this year. Uh, so Mike Clevenger will not face any disciplinary actions as a result of those investigations that uh, broke just about uh, a month and a week or so ago into the news cycle. Steve, it looks like we'll have Mike Clevenger in the rotation. Uh, any thoughts on this as we head towards the start of the season and, and just the investigation in and of itself? I think what we can all say at this point is that um, it, this is a very touchy subject for a variety of different reasons. Um, the fact that he was not found to be disciplined for anything does not absolve him of anything. It doesn't mean that nothing happened. Um, it, it means that there simply wasn't enough evidence to have punitive action taken against him by the league. Uh, we don't know if anything further is going to happen from a criminal legal standpoint. Um, I think we can all agree that we, the hope is that what he was accused of, in fact, did not happen. Um, I, I think that's a pretty universally shared idea right there. Uh, 
at this point, it's pretty clear he's going to be part of the five-man starting rotation. And hopefully at this point now we can focus on the baseball aspect of it every five days. Hopefully he's able to make adjustments to his performance on the mound, and then that becomes the story and becomes the focus. Um, we saw some comments from Lucas Giolito here as far as, you know, the players um, accepting what was handed down, or, or excuse me, what the league office's decision was today and that they have, you know, had those conversations internally in the clubhouse and that they're moving forward. And it's something that they are taking care of from a player standpoint. Um, so hopefully there is nothing as far as a distraction in the clubhouse here going forward. And they just focus on winning some fucking baseball games and putting numbers in the left-hand column. And yeah, Steve, I, I think that's well said, very touchy subject, very, uh, very heavy uh, to think about. And I, I would agree with you. Um, you know, at, at the sense that you don't want this to be a distraction going forward. And that's what I think a lot of people were worried about as well. Um, obviously, very serious allegations. Um, but I'm just I'm very thankful that this was sort of cleared up before the start of the season. This was not something that this team uh, needed dragging into uh, the the actual start of the season. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, if anything else sort of leaks its way out, um, the the uh, the whole thing has been sort of, uh, you know, very White Sox-esque, Steve. If I do uh, say so myself, there's been, you know, uh, the accuser went on a Chicago sports radio station. There's been, you know, things tossed back and forth between the two sides in this entire thing. Um, and, yeah, that can get very distracting. This team faced a lot of distractions last year. Uh, it seemed to stem on and off the field. Um, and it's just not the tone that I think anybody wants set for the 2023 season. Thankful that this has been sort of resolved, it seems, at this juncture, um, although they did leave it sort of open-ended, Steve, that, you know, barring the receipt of any additional materials in this, um, you know, the, the investigation is closed. And, and like you said, we can move on and start focusing on winning baseball games. I did like Lucas Giolito's uh, sort of comments on the matter. Um, and hopefully these guys can gel and, and work towards the championship that Mike Clevenger spoke about winning. I know that, you know, sort of makes me excited thinking about White Sox winning championships and it coming out of the mouth of somebody else in Red Con. But, uh, you know, here we are. This is closed and we can move on. So let's talk about some White Sox baseball, Steve. We haven't gotten to watch a lot of this. I know I personally haven't. And you've sort of told the same story here. We, we haven't been able to observe much. So we've got some stats over there's a couple radio broadcasts i've listened to uh first thing to jump into here steve let's look at the hitters um on this white Sox team first couple names jump out at me sort of impressive spring training so far very small sample size but i've got spring training overreactor in the house let's get to it jake berger is number one on my list leads the team in bombs we sort of had a conversation about jake berger on our last show with mr jonathan donathan I'm talking about how he can use his bat to play himself into uh, the White Sox lineup. So far, two home runs this spring. He's got five hits, three RBIs. Uh, missing the ball a little bit much in the batter's box. It seems to be all power or nothing, Mr. Jake Berger, so far. But, Steve, give me your early thoughts on uh, Mr. Jake Berger. I think – the one aspect of Jake Berger's game that we can all agree on is the bat plays. And there is power in that bat, and it has been on display to this point a week into spring training games here. And that is not something that is a surprise to anybody. The biggest issue for Jake Berger ultimately is going to be 
defensive placement. And he's got two guys on the corner infield spots that are ahead of him on the depth charts. I know there's a lot of consternation amongst certain members of the fan base about um, Berger's position on the depth chart at the hot corner in particular here. But the fact of the matter is he is not going to supplant Yohan Mankata at the position, no matter how much people might want him to in, so, in certain circles. It's just simply not going to happen, barring injury. So I think there is, depending on the roster machinations here, an opportunity for Berger to see at-bats and plate appearances against left-handed pitching, because I think he will do a ton of damage against southpaws. Ultimately, though, it's going to come down to how that final 26-man roster is constructed, whether or not he is going to break camp with the team or not. Yeah, and you saw a lot of Jay Berger so far this spring, Steve, over at first base. Not something that I really expected. I don't know if this is going to be something that he sort of finds his way into throughout the season, uh, but I was sort of intrigued uh, to see Berger getting as many reps over at first, um, especially with Yoan Mancata. Um, I believe he was uh, Berger's first or second game, at least from what I've seen, over at third. Um, but Yoan Mancata obviously – off with uh, Luis Robert to go play with Team Cuba in the upcoming World Baseball Classic. Uh, so maybe you'll see him sort of shift over to third for a little while here while Moncada's gone. But I was I was just surprised, I guess, to see him over there taking as many reps early on at first base. Do you think that's sort of foreshadowing of what we may see or just sort of get this guy's bat in the lineup? Uh, spring training doesn't matter. It could be a, a number of different things. I just – feel like with with Andrew Vaughn and your baby boy, Gavin Sheets, and even Yasmani Grandal on the roster, there's just not going to be a lot of playing time available for Jake Berger at first base. You know, this is the type of thing that in certain instances a team can do this sort of thing to try to showcase positional versatility as a, a foreshadow to a potential trade, not suggesting that that is something that is going to happen here with Jake Berger. Um, but I just, I struggle to see where the playing time will come, particularly at the first base position, given those three guys that are ahead of him right now. Yes. Yeah, if I sort of agree with that, I was just, that it was just very curious to see as, as many reps over there. I know that they've sort of tried him out at second. Um, they've now tried him out over at first base. He's obviously a natural third baseman. So something to keep an eye on as we uh, continue down, uh, you know, the the rest of the remaining spring training games here in March. But uh, a couple other names I want to get to, Steve, real quick. Uh, what are your thoughts so far on one Oscar Colas? Uh, gave me a heart attack today uh, when he ran into a net. Uh, sort of reminded me of a, another White Sox uh, guy that claims to be an outfielder. But I got to give him some kudos. Stayed in the game. It was pretty cool, tough of him to stay in the game, not get carted off the field and, you know, suffer a, a six-month injury uh, when he did that. So I like what I see from that. Very early observations. Guys that can run into nets and stay on the field, very nice. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's he's swinging the bat pretty well so far this spring. I want to hear what you have to say about one Oscar Colas. Well, the spirit of 76, Mr. Oscar Colas, is uh... – Going up there and he's equating himself nicely in the batter's box, not showing a high level of plate discipline uh, to this point, really going up there being 
very aggressive in the batter's box, and the results have been very strong to this point. I want to say he's got seven or eight hits already um, across his – Seven hashtag confirmed. Seven okay. seven hits so far. It's hitting 389 this spring. Okay, okay. well, there, there we go. You may or may not, emphasis on may, see some more hashtag content relating to this very, very topic of Oscar Colas and what we may see from him at the plate at a little website known as ontapsportsnet.com here. In the very near future, hint, hint. I like the so, foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, I'm all about the foreshadowing right there. Um, so, you know, from uh, from an offensive standpoint, I think we're seeing kind of what was to be anticipated out of him. The defensive side of it, look, obviously that play uh, down the first baseline here today was a little bit scary. You almost kind of chalked that one up to a guy just simply not being as familiar with the surroundings. Look, this is only his you know, what, third or fourth spring training game and maybe the second at Camelback Ranch that he's played so far. So not being entirely familiar with the dimensions to this point. So that sort of thing can happen, um, particularly with a young player. But you just hope that that is not a precursor of things to come. One one would hope there, Stephen. One would hope. And I, I'm very much looking forward to your uh, deep dive on one Oscar Colas later this week. Uh, can't wait to see what uh, what you have in store for the readers uh, of that website, ontapsportsnet.com. One guy, Steve, that I want to really quickly touch on is uh, Eloy Jimenez. The power has not shown up yet so far this spring. But he's hitting 516 at-bats. Uh, Eight hits. He leads the team in hits so far. Uh, looks good. Looks like he's in good physical shape. I know the jokes have been made about entering spring training in the best shape of his life. Beat out an infield hit today. I'm not sure if it was exactly ruled an error, sort of a dribbler to third base. There was a, a bobble there, so I, I venture to say it was probably ruled an error. I have not looked back at the box score yet. But uh, running down the line, a little Asking what we've seen out of Eloy Jimenez, maybe the bigger bases are helping him out just a little bit. But uh, I think power will come. And if you're seeing Eloy Jimenez, uh, eight hits and 16 at bats, that's a that's a hot stretch. That's a that's a nice hot stretch that I think we'll take during the regular season, Stephen. Even if uh, the doubles and triples aren't there, uh, I think it'll come for him. I just like the fact that we're not chasing as many balls, only two strikeouts so far in those 16 at-bats. That's very impressive plate discipline from a guy who has struggled with that in the past. You know, Anthony, you you make a valid point there. One of the things that can be very misleading about spring training, both for hitters and for pitchers, the, the results. A lot of times we, as, as fans and as observers, we don't know what hitters or pitchers are working on on a particular day. You know, and there have been a number of hitters throughout the course of history. Uh, one famously, 1972 MVP with the White Sox, Mr. Dick Allen, talked about in spring training for him, what he always tried to do is he wanted to go up there the first couple of weeks and just see as many pitches as possible. It wasn't so much an emphasis on driving the baseball or finding the power stroke because he knew it was there. It was more so just getting reacclimated to seeing live pitching again, seeing the, the varying types of pitches that hurlers are going to be throwing at guys getting to, you know, to understand spin again, particularly in Arizona where the ball doesn't spin as much as it would down in the humidity of Florida in the grapefruit league. So for all we know right now, Eloy maybe is just 
ensuring that he's getting his timing underneath him, just seeing pitches before he starts to go into launch mode. So that's one thing that I think as fans, and, and look, I fall victim to this plenty of times myself. You can't always look at the results and what you see in a day-to-day basis with these games during the Cactus League. Now, make no mistake about it. These games matter. You have to set the tone. You can't win a championship in Arizona, but you sure as hell can lose one, according to Pedro Grafol, and he is absolutely right with that. But, again, we don't know on a day-in, day-out basis what these individual players are working on. So I think that's something that everybody needs to be mindful of. Well said, Steve. And I did not know that little tidbit about uh, Dick Allen and and all that stuff, but I do sort of resonate with the, we don't know what exactly these guys are working on. Um, And I think that that's something that should be taken into account. And if, if Eloy Jimenez right now is working on putting bat on ball and just staying healthy and, and, and everything else in in that sort of regard, uh, I think the results have been there. Um, You know, I, I I still want to see the power show up. I still want to see the doubles and home runs start to pile up before we enter uh, the regular season, but you, you really can't argue with a guy that's gone eight for 16 to start his season. I think if we're going to award a, a hashtag uh, set the tone medal uh, for the first, you know, week and a half here of, of, of baseball games, I'm probably going to give it to Juan Eloy Jimenez just personally. Uh, I like what I've seen so far. You know, maybe we need a uh, White Sox hashtag set the tone player of the week. I think we do. I think we do. I think that would be that would be fantastic, Steve. Coming up with ideas live on air. I mean that that's that's fantastic, fantastic. We can maybe we can open up for voting too. I don't know. Yeah. We'll open it up for, for fan voting as well. I I, I, I listen. Be- I think that's a poll question right there. You know, via the uh, Sox on Tap official Twitter account, and I, I think we need to let, open this up to the masses right now and get their input because if nothing else we are by the people for the people do our votes count for more than the the fan or do the fan votes count for more than our votes i mean I ours obviously is there an elect is is there an electoral college for this i mean ours obviously should be weighted more okay i was just curious we got to set up the rules and regulations and, and the fine print on this before we we you know iron this out and get it out there it's been training for us as well Steve, and i think we also i think that's take, an excellent idea I, I think we also need to take into account who is you know doing the, the voting like someone like like kenneth you know his vote doesn't count i mean i would probably give him like two votes i i, I would not give him any, i would not give him any votes I, I in fact i think whoever he votes for should probably have you know some a subtraction if, from their what goal. if he votes for the same player as you he he doesn't have a fully functioning brain so i'm not worried about that oh geez all right well, we will iron out the details on the set tone player of the week, and uh, we'll get we'll get that rolling for for our next show. Um, we'll, we don't have uh, we don't have it ready yet. It's it's being baked up in the uh, the content factory right now. But Steve, excellent idea. We're, we're gonna we're gonna make this happen. Um, Couple other observations from from spring training uh, so far, Steve. Andrew Benintendi's been getting a lot of. Uh, love in the three spot. And that's something that uh, I think White Sox fans love to discuss is, is batting order. Um, one of my favorite things is logging on to twitter.com and seeing the lineup posted every day in the comments below it, because they are always fantastic. Um, 
Steve, what are your thoughts on seeing Andrew Benintendi in the three hole? And then Grohl had some comments on this. I don't know if you want to expand on him, but uh, it's just not something that I really expected to see. And I don't think many people expected to see. So I'm curious what your observations are for Pedro Grohl uh, having Benintendi hitting third in these very important games that we've we've seen him play in so far. I don't like it. And I don't like it for a couple of different reasons. Uh, this pretty much is setting the tone for Tim Anderson and Luis Robert to be hitting one, two in the order. Me personally, in my baseball world, I don't like the idea of having the two least selective hitters in a lineup batting one, two. I don't, I don't like that particularly. And then you add another layer to this, if Elvis Andrus is hitting ninth, so you go nine one two all right-handed, um, that could give opposing managers an opportunity to really try to take advantage of some platoon splits. So the idea, and, and I assumed that part of the thought process behind bringing in Andrew Benatendi was providing some handedness balance to the lineup. Uh, particularly hitting him, you know, potentially in the number two spot, because this is a guy that has close to a 10% walk rate for his career, something that this team desperately needs and plugging in a guy into that number two spot that has a pretty good sense of the strike zone has shown a willingness throughout the course of his career to take walks and break up the right handedness at the top part of that order. It just seemed to make more sense to have Ben Intendi in that number two spot to me personally. Um, so this is one of the first things that I'm kind of looking at with Pedro Grafol kind of scratching my head a little bit, in addition to just some of the general lineup machinations that we've seen thus far in the spring. I don't feel as though he's putting this team in the best position to win these ball games here. Uh, they've fallen out of second place now in the Cactus League standings here. They were building a lot of positive momentum. And to have this loss today, it's really going to be fascinating to see how this team rebounds from it. Hopefully there was some fire and passion in the dugout, maybe a post-game spread flipped in the clubhouse because they got to get back on track starting tomorrow here. Well, Steve, you got my brain starting to work here on White Sox lineups. And I'm going to I'll just throw this one ahead and see, see what your thoughts are. Um, I like what you said about, you know, setting it up for Tim Anderson and Luis Robert 1-2. I think if you're going to throw Ben Attende in that three spot, there's only one other player in this lineup that you can justifiably sort of break up what you're talking about. And that would be Don Mancata in the two hole. Um, you're talking about pitch selection because I don't like, I don't like what you're, what you're putting down with Tim Anderson and Luis Robert um, one, two, and then going to Ben Attende three, because I feel like I'm going to miss a lot of baseball um, in the first inning, especially on the road. If I'm late to the game, because those first two guys might be out in one, two, three pitches, maybe. Um, and it's Andrew Benintendi, commercial break. And then, you know, it's Lucas Giolito taking the mound. I want a little bit more uh, selectivity. Uh, and I think that's the word that uh, you would use to describe this. We can't be going down one, two, three in that first inning at the rate that those guys are going to go down. Nothing against Tim Anderson, nothing against Luis Robert. But I don't think that that those plate approaches one two are going to work as well either, Steve. I actually agree with you on that. But wouldn't it look a little bit different if you went Anderson, Mancata, Benintendi, Robert, or Eloy in that? I don't think you want. It. I think it's a hard choice to hit Robert or Eloy fifth 
Um, but with the with the way that this is constructed, if that hard rule, if, if Pedro Grifol is going to throw his boy out there, and you know Andrew Pentendi is Pedro Grifol's boy, the time they spent in Kansas City, you, you've got to do something to break that up. And that means either Eloy Jimenez or Luis Roberts going to have to bat fifth in this lineup. And that's the only concession I'm going to make. I would say that Yohan Moncada has to hit two. You know, that I think is the only other viable alternative. But the concern that I have with that is just the inconsistent nature of performance that we've seen from Yohan Moncada. I think particularly when you look at the decline in his overall walk rate a year ago, that was one of the hallmarks of his player profile was his plate discipline. And we really saw that erode a season ago. So the idea of, you know, just automatically installing him into the number two spot in the lineup, I'm okay with Pedro Grafol not doing that. Um, you know, we've seen that. And, and the other thing about it too is, you know, a, a concept or an idea that a manager has in spring training for how they want to construct the lineup doesn't always pan out in the end. Um, you go back to, it was either 2020 or 2021. I can't remember what it was, but Moncada actually started the season hitting cleanup behind Jose Abreu. And that got off to a pretty disastrous start, actually, to the point where then he was reverted back to the number two spot in the lineup here. So again, you might have this concept in your head on the whiteboard in, in the manager's office, as we're sitting here on March 5th, um, you know, really getting into the thick of the ultra competitive Cactus League play here. But that's not automatically what's going to be taking place, you know, on May 15th, for example. But just on the surface, I just for the reasons that I laid out there, I don't like the idea of going Anderson, Robert, Ben Intendi to start the lineup. Uh, that's fair. Uh, just early spring training hashtag stats for you, Steve. Yohan Moncada tied for the team lead in walks with three, although he's hitting a paltry 111 um, uh, so far here. Nine bats, only one hit, which went for a double. Uh, I'd like to see Yohan Moncada, though, Steve, get to the point where we can talk about him as a legit number two in the lineup guy. That That's the, that's the phenom I was sold on years ago. So I'm trying to speak this into existence here. I think he makes the most sense if Andrew Benintendi is not your number two guy. I want it to be on Moncada. I want him to play himself into that spot in the order and and force Pedro Griffol's hand to look at him as a number two guy. That's that's what I want. That would be the best thing for this lineup overall and for and for this team from a run scoring perspective here. We've seen what Mankata can do at various points of his career. I think we all remember the offensive player that he was during 2019. Now, unfortunately, that is looking more and more like that was the outlier season to him. But even if you just go back two years ago to 2021, he was fifth in the sport in on-base percentage when he had a 370 on-base. That is something very valuable to have at the top part of your lineup here so if he can get back to that being a guy that has a 12 13 walk rate getting on base at a 370 clip that's pretty important and i think that would potentially force the hand of pedro grafol from the standpoint of needing to construct the lineup in a different way um you know mancada has had this interesting kind of odd numbered year performance so we are in an odd numbered year so 
if history is any guide, we should get above our league average offensive performance out of out of Yohan, and that would be a very welcome sight here for this 2023 White Sox team. Absolutely would. I love this early lineup talk. I, I love it. This is this is getting me ready for the season, Steve. We're we're really uh working lineup on, Twitter uh, is jacked right now, I'll tell you that. Lineup, yeah, this is this is fantastic, Steve. One other thought on the lineup that I have that's just sort of coming to mind here is how Grafol has been stacking the bottom of the order with the slowest base clogging guys that you can possibly find. Um, I'm going to have to get Gavin Sheets out there running 40s um, if he's going to be batting down there next to Yasmani Grandal, uh, you know, the other slower guys on this team. Well, where do you think that you can kind of break this up a little bit, Steve? I don't know if you've looked at some of the back ends of these lineups that look like opening day lineups, but it, it sort of clogs it up there. Andrew Vaughn, um, you've got, uh, like I said, uh, Yasmani Grandal. If it's not Grandal, it's going to be Sebi Zavala. Uh, you're probably going to have some Gavin Sheets in there from time to time. Elvis Andrews, he's got a little bit more speed, but he's he's sort of older there. I know he's probably going to be your nine guy, um, the second leadoff man, uh, if you so will. But thoughts on is is second that... leadoff man still a thing? It is. It's been a thing oh, forever, oh, Steve. It's oh, it's been oh, a thing okay. forever. That's not just a TLR thing. That's that's just a, a baseballism you may or may not hear in certain circles of the world. But I actually do love Elvis Andrews batting ninth. Um, for for what it's worth, I just don't know if I want the certain combination of guys who are going to potentially lead to a lot of double play baseballs um, hit down there at the bottom of the order. How do you break that up? <sighs> That's a great challenge right there. Um, one way to do that is if he is fully healthy and if he is, you know, hashtag back to the type of production we've seen from him in the past, moving Yasmani Grandal higher up into the order, um, especially given that, you know, this is a guy that also has historically had tremendous plate discipline. So getting him higher into the order, taking some walks could potentially set up for guys like Andrew Vaughn and your baby boy, Gavin Sheets, if he's in the lineup to have more runners on base, getting some better pitches to hit. So that's one of the obvious things that kind of jumps out to me a little bit. This just kind of illustrates some of the overall challenges with the roster construction of this team. Um, the speed is not the greatest with, with this team. We've seen in the past that there have actually been a pretty good base running team being able to go out and take that extra 90 feet. That's something I've written about and talked about on a number of different occasions here. Some of the, some of the guys now um, with having Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, and, and Yasmani Grandal are not what you would call fleet of foot, as we like to say in the business. So, the best way to do that, again, I think, would be if Yaz is back to being fully functional and you can slot him up higher in the order. I think that would be one of the best ways to go about doing it. Yeah, there's there's quite a few guys in this lineup that are going to clog up some base paths, Steve. But I'll just say this. If they're hitting more home runs this season, the base clogging won't be an issue. And I love fireworks. And I know you love when the ball goes far. So maybe maybe that'll help a little bit. You know, the best thing about that is when you hit the ball over that fencing that they set up prior to the game, they haven't yet put a fucking timer on how long it takes you to round the fucking bases yet. But I'm sure that's coming too. And that leads us to our next lead-in right there. We're going to talk about new rules and, and first observations 
on the new pitch clock, bigger bases, defensive shift bands, and all that good fun stuff. Steve, how are we feeling about it? I just need some some raw takes on on what you're seeing so far of the newfangled baseball that Rob Manfred has put. I had a conversation earlier today with um, an older human uh, who's a baby boomer who may or may not share a bloodline with me. It's hashtag unconfirmed at this point. Um, Our sentiments were this. It's fucking bullshit. At the end of the day, and I'm going to stand by this position, and nobody will get me to deviate from this here. This is all being done in an attempt to sway football and basketball fans who will never like baseball into liking baseball. This is Rob Manfred's attempt to somehow get these people to start liking baseball when it's just simply not going to happen. You've talked about this a lot. I share your feelings on this too. One of the best aspects of baseball is going to the ballpark and there not being a clock. What did Hawk Harrelson used to talk about all the time? It's the only game on the face of the earth where there's not a clock. And that was fucking great because you know what? You have a shit day at work. Your family's fucking annoying you. You got all this other bullshit going around you. You can go to the ballpark. You can get there early. You can watch batting practice. You can sit in those stands for four, four and a half hours, depending on the length of the game, and not worry about everything else going on around you in your life. You can get lost in the moment. You can get lost in the game and just enjoy yourself and let yourself breathe. One of the other nice things about it was the pace and the time in between hitter to hitter or from pitch to pitch. Now, are there some guys that take it too far? Absolutely. Not denying that. But the overarching idea that we have to add in this this pitch clock and some of these things that are being done with automatic strikes and automatic balls being awarded, we saw a play in a game earlier this week where an automatic strike and an automatic ball were were divvied out on the same fucking play. What are we doing here? Unfriggin' believable. Yes, you're right, Hawkeroo. Let me put it to you as simply as I possibly can. If you think baseball is too slow, if you don't like the pace at which it goes, don't go to the fucking game. If you think the games themselves are too long, which are still, at this point, I don't know if anybody wants to talk about this, still not as long as the average NFL game on a Sunday, don't fucking go. Or leave early if you have to. Don't fucking ruin it for those of us that want to actually be in the ballpark and enjoy the sport that we grew up loving. Don't taint it with this bullshit. I couldn't put that any better, Steve. I, I, I echo all of those statements completely. Just ridiculous. I, I hate watching this. I hate watching the the clock. It it spikes my anxiety as a baseball fan. I'm like, what why are we trying to rush through this? Why why does it have to be just two hours? Why why can't we enjoy the game without a clock on it? I said this to my old man the other day. I said they tried to find a way to put an entire inning into a TikTok or YouTube short. That's what they're aiming for so that the kids will see an inning of baseball. 
you're appeasing to the wrong crowd. And I fully agree with everything you just said there. It, it, it's kind of sick. It, it's outside of the ghost runner on second base. I think the pit clock really just robs certain elements of the game that I, I really enjoyed as a baseball fan. And it, it's, it's sort of hard to watch for me. I'm glad that the broadcast that I've seen of the White Sox game so far, and I know this is going to change because there's probably going to be a giant doomsday clock right behind the pitcher. Um, on the broadcast once we get to 35th and Shields. But, I mean, save me the countdowns. Why do, why do we have to have a countdown for everything? There's it, there's a countdown in everything now. And it's, it's, it's sad that it is encroached into the game of baseball. And uh, it feels like they're not going to get rid of this. It feels like it's going to be something that we have to learn to live with. Our guy Socks Insane was saying it to me the other day on, on, on Twitter. You know, I'm not a fan of the pitch clock, but, like, learn to love this too. Here's my thought back to that. If White Sox fans are so mad that they have to bring a sell the team Jerry banner into the stadium, why can't we just collectively be upset and voice our opinions about how much we fucking hate this? Because it sucks. It ruins the integrity of the game on so many different levels. And Steve, the level that it ruins it the most on is the one that you just brought up. This was an escape for people. This was a chance for them to invest their time into something that isn't real world bullshit. And that's what baseball has been for me for my entire life. A chance to escape the rest of the reality that, that, that sometimes really sucks. And so you can get lost for four. No other sport provides you that. No other sport in the world provides the opportunity to just sit there and relax. We've, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten how to relax, how to just sit back, sip on a beer, sit back, relax, and strap it down. Strap it down. Exactly. A hundred percent. It's really sad that we've gotten to this point where we have to rush back to everything else. I feel like baseball has done a really shitty job of marketing their game as something to escape the norm, escape from the rest of all the other stuff that you don't need. Let it take for celebrate a game that took four hours. Instead, too many talking heads have, have, have come down on, I, I need to get to this or I need to get to that. I understand the argument about extra inning baseball games going too long and roster management decisions that need to be made. And it's easier for the beat writer to type up a, a game recap when it's only you, you two know, hours. I don't, and ca- so- I don't care about, I, the I, goddamn, about the goddamn beat writer. You're literally getting paid to write a story about a fucking baseball game. Cry me a fucking river. All right. Preach. Preach. Cry me a we do this. We get on river. these. We get on these shows after all these games. Guess what? Some of my favorite ones are when it's 1130 at night and I still see people showing up in here to, to, you know, come into the YouTube comments, talk about how great of a baseball game that was and, and, and still tuned into this shit at 1130 at night. You know, now we're going to be doing these at nine o'clock. I'm, I'm sure we'll have some more people, but the, you know, the fans who really care about this game, who really love watching every ounce of baseball, White Sox baseball, all of it just in general, there's a lot of people who are going to be robbed out of extra time watching their team play. I know you are a fan of other sports, Steven. I go to Blackhawks games. You know exactly how long that's going to take. You go to a Bulls game. If you're a basketball fan, you know how exactly how long that's going to take. You go to a football game. You're pretty, you know, you're pretty sure on how long that's going to take. The element of walking in to a baseball stadium and not knowing if you're going to be there for eight hours or two and a half hours 
was part of the allure, at least for me, because you never knew. In fact, I would love it if I, I was at the world's longest baseball game ever played. That would have been my best, best memories of my life. That's all robbed of, of, of everything at this point. I thought it was cool. It was an awesome element to this game that we have apparently just decided to completely wipe off the face of the earth in order to appease to I don't know who. I don't know who the fans are that really love quick baseball games. Makes no sense to me. I, I think quick baseball games – you know, when they're an anomaly, like with what we would see with Mark Burley, with some of those sub two hour games, like that's what made it cool and unique. You know, that I mean, it was it was a throwback to, you know, a, a dead ball era or to an era where TV commercials weren't pervading the baseball broadcast. That's that's what it was. You talked about a couple of different things there about, you know, the powers that be at, at Major League Baseball. At the end of the day, we have people in charge of this sport and making decisions for them. The first being that buck tooth jack off Rob Manfred that don't like the game of baseball. It's period. And it's pretty obvious at this point. And you talked about, you know, the, the countdown clock that's coming. The only countdown that I care about is Megadeth's masterpiece, Countdown to Extinction. And I know Jonathan Nonathan will appreciate that reference. I'm sure he will. Commented here from uh, Brian. He spent nine hours at a Cubs and D-backs game and had multiple rain delays, and it was one of the best live game experiences of his life. He also said that 20-second strikeouts are cool and tough. I'm fine with the cool and tough 20-second strikeout like in, in the aspect of, of Mark Burley. How about it, as a pitcher, if you want to pitch that way, go do it. Dude, yeah. you, you brought that up. That's exactly what I'm getting to. I'm going to hope for a rain delay when I'm at every single game now. Just out of you know, personal experience, give me a rain delay in the third inning. Or if you're if you're not going to do that, you got to make the in-between innings just a little bit longer so the fans are going to be able to go to a concession stand and buy something. I, it, it, I'm afraid to leave my seat. I got up today. Went out to the garage, grabbed the beer, came back. That's what, Steve, 30 steps. I, I missed half an inning of baseball. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't think anybody wants to do that. That's terrible. It's, 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 a, real, it's a real problem. I mean, it's it, it just it just sucks, you know, and it's it's gonna hurt the fan experience in the ballpark, the way that, you know, if you have the misfortune of going to a game at soldiers field to watch um, the lesser fields play that foosball thing, when you have to like lose a quarter of your life standing in line to hit the pisser, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to miss stuff this year, year now. Um, that's why you, you're going to have to be really strategic with when you plan your trips to get up to the concourse, either to go hit the pisser or go to the grab-and-go section to grab another beer. You're going to have to be very, very strategic here going forward. Steve, coming in from our guy, L.A., Megadeth is what it's like to be a Sox fan. I believe that one's for you. Um it- for the comment out there, LA. Thank you for tuning in to the show. Steve, I think we've we've got to figure out how to plan all of the, you know, concession stand trips and, and maybe we'll figure out like a volunteer system on a game-by-game basis when we 
make our way over to 35th and Shields to take in these White Sox games. Maybe the mobile ordering, although it, I don't know if you've experienced this. Sometimes it you mobile stinks. order a beer, a beer and it's, you know, four innings later by the time it showed up. Might be five or six now. Um, so they need know. to get They're back to the to old days. They, they need to get back to the old days when you used to be able to smuggle your own booze into the ballpark. Back when I was a young man. This is hashtag unconfirmed, by the way, because I, I would never resort to this kind of thing here. But I heard stories when I was a young man about people, you know, wearing a jersey to the ballpark and then, you know, maybe sliding in like one or two beers, like in their waistband on each side of their pants or or maybe like smuggling in a pint in their sock to get into the ballpark and then going and getting a beverage and just mixing said pint into their into their drink to make a mixed concoction again unconfirmed but we might need to get back to that who knows it's it's you know developing stories here and maybe this is why they you know tinfoil hat time for sunday fun day is this why they banned the backpack was it in uh was it in preparation for the pitch clock let's limit the the ways that people can sneak anything in we're going to rob them of their experience We'll, we'll blame it on, you know, COVID restrictions or whatever this is. Uh, but I feel like it was a direct shot at, at Johnny Nani, who had an article prepared for Untap Sportsnet on how to prepare for a White Sox game. Now they've taken all, all of the ways that you can prepare for this. And uh, then they go and implement these rules. Just seems very suspect to me. I don't think you're that far off. Um, you know, in my younger days when I used to consume, you know, a lot of encased meats, at the ballpark, one of the tricks of the trade that I learned along the way was stocking up and bringing a backpack full of bottled water in there because you got to stay hydrated during that sort of thing. So, again, there there's reason to believe that there is a high-level conspiracy being implemented here. Yeah, and this is not just a White Sox thing. That's across all of MLB, too, all those you know giant purse bands and backpack bands. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on this developing story. I might have to send you to uh, New York baseball headquarters to investigate, Steve. Uh, Ironic all... you say that because I will be out there in July. Oh, there we go. We would, you have to get boots on the ground, and that's that's what we do here at Sox on Tap. I'm here for the people. Steve, that's uh, that's a lot on the uh, the ballpark experience and the new rules. Uh, I don't think you even need to get into the larger bases or the, the shift ban at this point in time. Uh, we can save that for another episode. Uh, the pitch clock has just been absolutely atrocious, in my opinion. One last little bit of White Sox news before we get on out of here, Steve. Colson Montgomery uh, was officially sent down. Uh, he'll still see some action, uh, but albeit with minor league camp, although I believe he can still work his way into the White Sox lineup, uh, even though he is technically now uh, no longer with the big league squad. Sort of surprising to me, although, you know, given the circumstances, he can still show up and play. But sort of surprising to me that we haven't seen as much of him uh, so far this uh, spring training, uh, just given the fact that uh, I think that the MLB guys heading over to uh, the World Baseball Classic sort of put a damper on what you would consider the uh, traditional spring training. Um, I expect to see a lot more Colson Montgomery here over the next week or two, despite being sent down. Uh, I'll toss it to you for thoughts on that, and then we'll uh, try and wrap this up. 
Yeah, that definitely is something that can still happen just because he was reassigned down to minor league camp. That just means that that's where he's going to be seeing the bulk of his action here. I think particularly as the Cactus League schedule kind of moves along and you start to see a few more split squad games happening here, you're going to see him in the lineup, especially with Tim Anderson being with Team USA as part of the World Baseball Exhibition um, because it's really just not a classic if we're being honest with ourselves here. So I'll be interested to see because, you know, a week from today, I will be in the desert, boots on the ground. So... I'm going to be continuing to monitor the situation, as we say in the business, and I will be reporting live in person from Camelback Ranch and all across the Cactus League. Love it, Steve, and we'll have to uh, get some some content from you live down there uh, at uh, spring training. Uh, I hope you are down there overreacting as much as you possibly can while you are there I don't, whoa 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 listen i don't overreact i just react it's the others that overreact got it got it I, I i was unsure as to whether or not these were overreactions or just general reactions uh to what you are visibly uh seeing while you're there but uh nonetheless Stephen, i hope you enjoy your time down in arizona and uh you know enjoy a couple uh two tree beers and uh, some White Sox baseball. Hopefully they uh, they play with the fire, the passion, and the TWTW that you expect them to while you're in attendance. I will be expecting them to come out and hashtag set the tone. When I get off that plane next Sunday, um, they better be ready to go because I, I am not going to tolerate sloppy play. Do you, you think know. they know that you're, you're on your way? Oh, they they know. Word, word has gotten around um, various media circles. There, there's lots of speculation happening, and you know, my uh, my return to the to the desert. I will be hashtag back for the first time in four years. I'm looking forward to it. There will be a couple two tree pops consumed along the way. Um, you know, going to be wilded in the streets of Scottsdale on Wednesday of that week. So it's it's going to be fun. We're going to get after a little bit. And who knows? Maybe, just maybe, I'll run into Johan Mankata in a bar in Scottsdale again like I did a couple years ago. It could happen. You never know. It's I think he's before. over in, like, Taiwan. I think he's over in Taiwan. As if you run into him, it might be not so good. But Well, that, okay, who, who okay. Fair, fair, Lance fair, Lynn? Fair. Lance Lynn? Maybe you can... Listen, listen, if I see Lance Lynn, we'll, we'll get together. We'll talk, we'll talk ribeyes. You know, we'll talk IPAs and uh, we'll, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll have a conversation about, about some things. And I feel like Lance Lynn and I have an unspoken bond. And, and that's something that we're going to explore. Yeah, there you go. Well, uh, hopefully you and, and uh, Lance can uh, share that, uh, that time over a, a pop or two. Steve, it's been fantastic uh, talking about White Sox baseball and, and all of the observations that we've made so far this spring training. Uh, it's just about time to wrap it up. I'll uh, toss it over to you for a uh, closing thought, and then we'll uh, we'll on with the rest of our Sunday. I know you have a burrito uh, that you are uh, waiting to consume. Yeah, final thoughts are this. In one week, hashtag back in the ballpark, consuming baseball live and in person. And let me tell you, I cannot fucking wait. 
So be on the lookout. There's going to be all kinds of shenanigans going on. And I'm looking forward to this team going out there. Hashtag set the tone. And hopefully Pedro Grafol is uh, being the leader of men that he has been dubbed to be and gets this team back on track here. As I talked about at the top of the broadcast, they have fallen out of second place here in the Cactus League. And um, he said it himself. You can't win a championship in Arizona, but you sure as hell can lose one. So how this team responds is going to be very fascinating going forward. Well, as you like to say, that's hashtag facts only. Uh, thank you to all the listeners who tuned in on the live stream or those who uh, caught this in podcast form, wherever you uh, listen to your podcasts. We'll be back. Uh, very soon with more socks on tap. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting back to our regularly scheduled post game shows this season, just about uh, a little bit under a month away uh, from opening day. Steve, I'm excited. I know you are as well. I am also very excited to be back in, in lot B. Hopefully 29 early. days away. Yeah. 29, just, un- 29 just under a month, away. just under a month. So Steve, uh, let's uh, let's sign out of here like we always do. You can get to that burrito. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.